Hello, friends. Ryan Ritter from the Pop Culture Historians here doing a little intro just to inform you that audio gremlins have infected the TARDIS once again. Uh, some of the audio on my end this time uh, is a little choppy. Shouldn't be a huge deal, but I figured it was worth acknowledging before getting started. We are looking at more sustainable options going forward because we want to provide you the best possible uh, listening experience you possibly can. So uh, more to come there. Smoother days are ahead. I still think the episode is a great listen. We have a great discussion about the Mocker Terror coming at you in just a second. But just wanted to let you know that we are aware. Uh, that's it. Uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy the Mocker Terror. Play the music. Welcome back to Pop Culture Historians, everybody, for another week of Classic Doctor Who review. Uh, it's a watch rewatch. Uh, we're kind of getting near the end of the current season that we're on, that being Classic Doctor Who season four. My name is Ryan Ritter. I'm the watch. I am a relative novice for Doctor Who. I can say relative novice now. We've now consumed an entire Doctor's run. I feel like I'm, I'm earning my merit badges here little by little. Sure. Uh, regard, yeah, but regardless, uh, I've only seen up to the episodes that we are reviewing this week and nothing further. So I still got some work to do. So that's me. I'm Ryan. I'm the watch. On the line with me is Jimmy McShane. He's the rewatch. He has seen all of this at least once before. I am assuming some more than that. He's the biggest Doctor Who fan I know. And uh, by default, our resident expert. Jimmy, <laughs> how are you this evening? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How are you, yeah. Ryan? doing good you know it's weird because we're watching you know we're on this week's serial it's called the mock terror long long a or uh, short a is it is it macra it's macra yeah there is yeah macra yeah there is no macra so yeah yeah i was gonna say regardless it was odd they watched four episodes of this thing no conflict no villain there was nothing going on everything was totally fine the entire yeah, time. It was, it was super just like boring. A great little, yeah, it was just a great, great little society. You know, they just sung and danced all the time. Yeah, yeah, a nice little song here and there. And then, uh, you, know, you know, I thought I saw minute. something with, like, legs or something going on, but I, I couldn't have seen anything. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I'm kind of... I feel like I'm coming out from, like, a, from like a uh, haze. I was like, do you smell gas? Hold on, wait a minute. No, there were villains in this. There were like these big crab people things, right? Mm, that doesn't sound like the kind of talk we want around here, right? <sighs> I think I'm gonna need to send you to a re-education <laughs> camp. No, no. And then uh, that would be the end of the episode there. No, no, come on. We're just goofing around, guys. Come on. Uh, <laughs> it's the Macra Terror. Uh, yeah, aired in four parts, completely missing. Uh, there's the uh, uh, Loose Cannon reproductions on this one. 
Uh, I need a, I need a little context on the animation. Is this an official one? I'm, I'm not always clear who does the animations on which. So different companies do it. All the animations we're watching are official. There are okay. unofficial animations that exist for even some we've talked about even, but um, they're a bit harder to find and they're, you know, your, your mileage varies when it comes to those anim unofficial ones. But this one is an official animation. All the ones we watch are official animations. Cool. Uh, yeah, aired in four parts. Aired from March 11th to April 1st, 1967. Uh, getting into the springtime. It's nice. Uh, I guess... I'm trying to think of what we need to uh, mention. No, not, nothing... Nothing monumental here. No new doctors. No new companions. No, well, yeah, that's not true. Wait a minute. New, new, uh, new intro. That's true. There is the new intro, uh, which they animated for this one, um, which you, you will get a chance to see because it, it sticks around for the the oh, rest good. of John's era. Um, but yeah, they 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 put the doctor's face in it, which makes sense. I mean, that is like the major change. The song's exactly the same. Uh, uh, I was. I, I keep waiting for the uh, theme song to kind of alter a little bit. I'm not there yet, apparently. Uh, not yet, but yeah, but soon. Yeah, no, nothing else to it really. It's a big, big old, big old picture of uh, Patrick Crotton's mug there. Um, it's nice. I guess it kind of signifies a new era a little bit. I don't know what the motivation is for changing it now as opposed to. So, two serials ago? I don't know if it's just because it settled down a little bit, they can think about things like They They had intended to do it earlier, actually. And they, they wanted it for, I think, even going back to um, the uh, Underwater Menace. But it just, for the reason, it didn't materialize until the Mocker Terror. Got it. So there's that. But other than that, there's not a whole lot monumental about this. No new recurring villains i don't think i guess we'll see um i guess we can jump right into how we feel about this story so jimmy i'll start with you what are your overall thoughts having rewatched the mock terror I, I really like this story i think it's a pretty good story um it's got kind of a i think it's a cool idea um kind of a you know more of a psychological one i guess um, mm -hmm. and, and kind of a, it's kind of a horror piece, I'd say. In some ways, the animation might be better than what, uh, what was actually filmed. Oh, um, sure. There's no, no question. Yeah, the, the, the big mocker props um, <laughs> might have, might have uh, taken you out of whatever scenes they were in. But even even still, I I, don't, I I think it's a good script. I think it's a really good showcase of the second Doctor's personality. I think it's the first time this whole like the whole TARDIS group has had something to do in a story because the person writing it knew everyone was going to be in it. Um, and so I think I think it's just a, a really good story. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I concur with pretty much all of that. I think it's a uh... I think it's a solid premise. I think I, I think I like it more for like its themes and its style uh, more than I do like maybe like what happens like moment to moment. Although even like uh, like plotting nuts and bolts is still pretty strong. 
mm-hmm. I think they I think they solve pretty quickly. Like, okay, we have we, we talked about this last week. We have uh, Ben and we have Jamie, and they kind of fill similar roles. So, how can we give them both something to do? I think they solve that pretty brilliantly here. I think Ben here kind of has like the most. Like if I if I wanted to play any part in this, it might be Ben's because he has like all this change that happens to him, right? Like he goes to to, to kind of go the uh, twenty twelve Avengers Hawkeye route, like he's uh, brainwashed to work against his friends, and then he kind of has to <laughs> recover. Um, so that's a lot of fun. I think it's a good angle for him. I think uh, his, there's sort of another pseudo attempt at like a recurring song. I think it's much more successful than the last time they did that, that being the gunslingers. <laughs> I think it helps that it's arranged better and it's not done every two minutes. I think that plays in its favor. But I well, think that also helps like it, it's a song that the the characters could hear. Like it's it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's something they interacted with. It's not like just for the audience, which also I think makes a big difference. I'm gonna screw this up. Does that make it diegetic music? Because it exists in the world of uh of the of the fiction or does that make it non-diegetic i don't remember but there's i think i think that does play in his favor yeah and uh yeah i'm with you i I did pull up i realized i hadn't looked at a picture of what the makra um (laughs) prop or costume whatever you want to look at puppet i guess looked like i just pulled it up now and uh, yes i can confirm the animation Mm -hmm. paints a much more vivid picture uh, uh, so I, I send this to you, but I guess you don't have time to watch it. Josh Snares is a pretty cool video where he broke down like the telesnaps versus what they did for the animation. Mm. I and just forgot. I forgot. I I just forgot to watch it. That's a popular no, no, historian's it's... exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, it's not a big deal, but it, it's a good video for anyone who's interested. Um, and he he just goes through and kind of like it's like eight minutes long, so it's you know it's digestible and it's not like super like intense about it but you know he just goes through and kind of shows you like here's where they they kept things the same and a lot of it really didn't match the, the telesnaps which is nice it's nice that they were kind of faithful at least as far as the um framing of things um and then he and they also showed some of the changes and you know you can definitely see uh where where they had trouble um with the makra there is one brief clip that exists when like a makra is attacking Polly. And so you can you can you can see just how difficult of a time they had uh, filming with these props. I mean, they're 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 pretty big. If uh, if what I'm looking at is accurate, um, yeah. they, they seem well, bigger than like your average Cyberman or Dalek. So like they're already kind of there's an ambition here that I think is cool to see, but comes with its own issues. Yes. Well, and of course, um, the you know, Ennis Lloyd was pretty mad about about these <laughs> props to the, to the point where basically he, he started like looking for other props companies to work with. Oh wow! And in fact, um, yeah, and then the next serial is the last time they worked with that particular prop company. That's um, interesting. Have they been there from the beginning? Yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, so change is coming, uh, change is coming for, on that front, anyway. We should just, I mean, I think we've, we've sort of, we've mostly alluded to uh, what the mocker looked like, but uh, for those who are like, need a refresher or come in blind on this one for whatever reason, just imagine a giant crab 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you, you got it basically. That's so that's just, just imagine a giant crab puppet complete with like little dangly eye things and everything, and that, you've got it. Although something I think is interesting when you listen to the dialogue, and this is just my opinion, I haven't necessarily read this anywhere. When you listen to the dialogue and the characters try to describe the macro, they have a difficult time describing the macro. They're kind of like, oh, it's kind of this bug that has claws like a crab. Like, <laughs> you listen to the characters like describe it, it seems like this kind of like weird thing to conceptualize. And this prop department just made a giant crab. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's like a disconnect thing or because there's for the seems dialogue. It's like a disconnect to me. Yeah. There's no reason yeah. for the dialogue to be vague. Um, <laughs> I think it's just supposed to be like, it was supposed to be like this super alien thing and the guy writing the dialogue in Stuart Black, like, he could describe <laughs> it as alien as he wanted to. He didn't have to make it, you know? That's true. That's a good point. It's, it's, it's Sometimes being the creative person is like the easier job if you have a vivid enough imagination, but the one that actually has to build, this, build the stuff. Is, <laughs> especially under time constraints. Uh, we mention this every week, but this... Production was not flush with time, almost ever, which is funny because it's a show about time. Um, yeah, so I guess that's my answer to whether I liked it. Yeah, I did. I liked it a lot. Um, I think the themes involved in it, and I think we'll get a chance to talk about this throughout this episode. I think the themes of you know the kind of the uh, denial of evil or like the uh, suppression of its existence is always it's always going to be like universally like applicable. It'll ever not be relevant at any time. So I think that I think that kind of helps it pop more than like some other things that may require context or some historical knowledge or they play better if you're like a little kid in Britain on a smaller TV. Like some of the sci-fi stuff is probably creepier in non-HD. Not here. I think that that's always going to be kind of it's an evergreen human experience for unfortunately, but so I think that stuff's really cool. And we get some nice little character moments from our uh our principles like i think jamie gets a pretty funny moment in the last episode i think the doctor gets a very funny moment that's not animated for whatever reason uh in episode one well yeah we'll, we'll talk about that yeah i know i yeah. think this is a great serial for jamie um and you know even you know polly gets the least to do here but even she gets a lot to do so it's it was nice that um they were able to give everyone some some something needy to do yeah it didn't strike me as like anyone getting short shrift on this one uh, which is which is cool. So yeah, I think this is one of the so far. I mean, yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I, I'm I think I might like this one more than most people. Most people kind of rank it in the middle. Trouton's one, um, just looking at like the the 60th anniversary poll. Uh, sure. But though of the ones you've seen, the only one that got ranked higher than it was um, Power of the Daleks, as far as Trouton goes. You know, it occurred to me, uh, I think I tried to introduce this a couple weeks ago, and I think I forgot for meme base, but doc, the classic Doctor Who serials are on Letterboxd, which is like a, a movie review site that you can log on and you know, make your account, and you can log movies you've watched, and you can give reviews, make lists, all that stuff. Everyone who's listening to this probably is already aware of that. But for whatever reason, uh, Doctor Who serials from the classic era, of the modern era, I, I, I couldn't tell you because of spoilers, um, are uploaded as movies, quote-unquote, on Letterboxd, which means that we also have aggregate ratings. So I did this for Underwater Menace, promptly forgot for the Moonbase, because uh, I'm bad at my job. But for the Mocker <laughs> Terror, I have remembered. 
And uh, I thought it'd be interesting to just kind of mention what the aggregate rating is for Macro Terror. Yeah, it is, for sure. Uh, 3.6 out of a five-star scale. Wow. Averaging 3.6. That's pretty high. I think it's higher than Underwater Terror, which was in the uh, oh. <laughs> mid-twos, uh, mm-hmm. as I recall. Um, I can always look up the moon base uh, if uh, if we have time to do that. But um, yeah, so I think it seems like it's well-regarded, even if it's the top i definitely agree with you that i think it's near the top now, remind me did you say this is top for like the season or for the do- second doctor's era for the balance? season for the season okay. i'd say it's probably it's like in the middle for the second doctor's era it seemed like it but it's definitely um of the trouton because they separated by a doctor so of the trouton stories you've seen it's only behind power of the daleks in terms of what people like i mean that that makes sense by the way, uh, 3.5, right behind this one by a, by a hair. So a pretty strong, well-regarded uh, stretch of episodes that we're in. Something I will say, as far as the, the letterbox, um, bring them as movies, putting them on those movies, that is how some people watch these. And in fact, something that BBC would do like in the 70s mm-hmm. is like in, in the 70s, it seems, I, I'm not... 100% clear on the timeline, but it seems like in the 70s is when BBC started to start having Christmas programming where they would specifically show things around Christmas time. And what they started doing is they'd pick a Doctor Who serial from earlier in the year and they'd, they'd just like show it all as a movie. Like they were kind of like edited into a movie, but you still have the same commercial breaks and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Um, and they would just like replay one of the Doctor Who serials from that year. And so watching as a movie is something people do with these serials. I mean, you can do that if you choose to. Um, well, you know, I, yeah. I think I think it takes away some of the power of the cliffhangers, maybe. Um, well, I, I personally prefer watching them individually as episodes, but you can watch them as movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I do too. Although you mentioned that as you were talking, I was sort of reflecting back on first doctor stories versus second doctor stories, at least thus far. And I do think second doctor stories as of where we are in the chronology probably do play better as like little 80, 85, 90 minute movies. than some of the uh, more ambitious, more sprawling uh, first doctor stories, like you couldn't watch the keys of Mariners in a movie. You'd go crazy, <laughs> but you could do the moon base. You could even do this one as a, as a movie if you i mean again they're meant to be tv episodes of the day but this this does kind of play as like one four-part story uh same with the underwater menace uh, uh so yeah i i can see 10th planet which is doctor i guess but um yeah as opposed to like the daleks the the daleks master plan which is you know, we're jumping into egypt and all this stuff and we're bouncing all around it's just interesting that's all. I don't know if I have a great beyond. It's interesting, but I, I hear what you're saying. I think some of that has to do with the the kind of style the the and as Lloyd era settled into, with kind of the you know trying to keep everything in one location, and mm-hmm. um, you know that that does you know make you know, there are some movies that jump around, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So there. Terror. Uh, we want to get into uh, your director notes. Cast, yeah. Cast. So, yeah. So this was written by Ian Stewart Black, 
his third of three stories. So this is his final story for Doctor Who. Which oh, is too bad, because the three he wrote are The Savages, The War Machines, and The Macro Terror. And three, three classics. Yeah, I really like all three of those stories. Um, and I, I, do, I do think it's kind of interesting. You know, The War Machines is based on an idea by Kit Pedler. And so that, even though he did the writing for it, it wasn't necessarily his, uh, his particular, the story wasn't his idea. So when you look at the savages and the Macroterra, I think there are a lot of similarities there in terms of theme and kind of how like you have this seemingly utopian society, but there's something tremendously wrong with it at its core. There's an evil um, behind it. <laughs> there's evil behind it. And the savages, they were the high class was stealing the life force of the people from the low class. I mean, that's a pretty blatant metaphor. And here... Uh, something kind of similar, I think. You have um, people, you know, people who are truly in charge are a shadowy figure who are um, using and hurting the workers for uh, their own gain. And, and specific, so specifically laborers. Specifically yeah. laborers. Yeah, they're all doing this labor and it's menial labor, which they don't even understand the purpose of, but they're being told it's like great. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it has a high purpose to it. And so I think you know, you, you definitely have a um, someone who's very interested in like kind of viewing using sci-fi to to view society through a certain lens. Absolutely, and I and I think both are really interestingly done, and so it's too bad he doesn't do more, in my opinion. Do we know? Is it just one of those things where the contract ran out and he went on to do other things, or was there some sort of parting of ways? Or I don't know. I mean, it's because not even a contract. It's literally like they just go and find writers to write Doctor Who stories. You go story so, by story. Yeah, you go story by story. So I don't know why he didn't write anymore. Um, other than that, this is his last one. I, I'm not sure. Well, that's all right. I just just wondering. Composer. I mean, I had to imagine at least someone write the songs on this one. Yes, Dudley Simpson again. So he's the guy we talked about a couple weeks ago, who wrote. I counted at the time, and I'm not going to count again. But it's 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 in like the uh, it was like fifty or so stories for the show. It was a uh, lot. It was a, it was a it spanned lot. decades from my recollection. But he did uh, he, he does most of the music in the seventies basically, um, and so it's a lot of stories. As far as what we've seen him in, you know, he had done he's done Planet of the Giants, The Crusade, The Chase, Celestial Toymaker, and The Underwater Menace prior to this. So yeah, we talked about him during The Underwater Menace. Um, and he's, you know, like I said, he's, he's going to be the, the sound of the show for the 70s. Um, but he's still a big presence here, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I mean this, I mean this in a positive way. It's like out of control in this one. <laughs> like a lot of it sounded to me like it like predated like 80s video game music by like, 12 or 13 years. It sounded like MIDI files of like old video game music to me, which is not a bad. Sound, but I was just like, this is 1967. I can even play a little clip here what I'm talking about. <laughs> You should, yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, his use of that kind of electronic music, which was kind of a, 
a new thing in the 60s. You know, he wasn't the only one doing it, but um, he definitely used it well and very dramatically here, I think. The music's very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't feel campy. I, 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 I think an underwater menace, but some of that was just because I was with going with the campiness of it. <laughs> um, I think if that's not your bag, the music also going to not be your bag. But here, I think it is, there is a dramatic usage to it. I and I think being able to do both campy and dramatic is necessary for a Doctor Who composer. Um, that's that's the show, in essence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, so the director. Director is a guy named John Davies, and this is the only thing he does for the show. Oh, that's weird. The name, the name sounds yeah. familiar for some reason. I, I think it's just a common name, right? Like, sure. when I hear Davies, I think the Kings was like Dave Ray Davies and his brother Dave Davies. Oh, we also yeah. knew someone named John Davis, and oh, so um, yeah, that's, that's, maybe it's just like that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he wasn't a very like he didn't direct a lot of things. He directed a couple things for just BBC, um, but I think he's just he did a job, but he didn't like make a career out of directing too much. Was is he related at all to uh, Jim Davies, the guy who did the UK Garfield concert? <laughs> I'll have, to, I'll have to get back to you that one, Ryan. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, but you can uh, definitely tell he hates Mondays. Uh, so. uh, Terror all takes place on a Monday. Uh, Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, that cast notes now? Yeah. Yeah. Cast notes. All right. Yeah. We got um, Peter Jeffrey plays Pilot. Um, Pilot is an actual like Catholic name for it's not like the pilot or I always thought it was the title. It's just he they never gave him an actual name. He was just it's like pilot. Captain. Yeah. Was, yeah. Okay, I could be it. mistaken, but it seemed because don't they say we're gonna get a new pilot? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're well, yeah, so. spoilers, I guess, but they wanted to make the doctor the new pilot, right? Yeah, that's it. Uh well, or, briefly. Yeah. But then they, they eventually kind of turn on that idea later on too, I think. I don't want to step on anything. Uh, so Peter Jeffrey plays the pilot. He will appear in Doctor Who again as Count Grendel of Crocked or Cracked in the Androids of Terra. Perhaps Tara. Still mm. uh, <laughs> 70s ish to me. I don't know why. It, it is. You, you got it. It is 70s. I cannot wait. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Maybe we mentioned this. I don't think we did. Peter Jeffrey was in the running to be the second doctor, picking who was going to succeed. We didn't, um, we didn't really yeah. mention who uh, who some of the candidates were. It there weren't really as that many, but... actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Peter Jeffrey was in the in the running, but I think they pretty quickly latched on to um, Patrick Trump for the role. I think it's the right choice. It didn't really affect Peter Jeffrey's career uh, too much. He had a humongous career. He has like 8,000 credits. Oh, him from 1975's Midnight Express uh, or The Return of the Pink Panther from the same year or perhaps The Adventures of Baron Munchausen from 1988. Uh, I haven't uh, seen any of those, but, but you know, those are I, pretty I, big I, movies. I've heard, I've heard of them all, so, you know. I get Midnight Express a lot, which is a shame because they're two completely different movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. 
Terrence Law, Madoc, a pretty major role in this, uh, a driving mm-hmm. force. Also, he might be the he might be like the main antagonist. Even if the ultimate villain or the macro, like they're so in the shadows the whole time. It feels like Madoc was like the main antagonist. Sure. Well, Madoc was the guy in the beat. In the first couple that like oh no who am I thinking the, of saw the Macra, right maybe is that who you're thinking I'm thinking of? of Ola yeah I'm thinking of yeah. Ola I mean, they got the two names confused yeah but I do agree with you that's definitely the main villain that we see mm-hmm. uh, Mayock played by Terrence Lodge he also appears in Carnival Monsters and Planet of the Spiders <laughs> I'll tell you this I I do enjoy the I do enjoy the little these upcoming you know exactly what you're going to get i suspect we're going to get level of monsters when we get to that serial mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah crazy. but there is a twist to it there is a twist to it oh um so the real, the real uh, monsters the real monsters are oddly enough that's not the twist uh, <laughs> he did do uh terrence lodge did a you for the podcast. I'm not going to get his name correctly, but I'm going to give it a shot. Toby Hadokis. Toby Haddocks. Who's Round? It's a charity podcast, and a portion of the interview was used as a DVD audio commentary for this very serial. Oh, wow. So there's that. So if you're interested in hearing more, uh, Terrence Lodge does wax on eloquently about this uh, serial for the DVD. Cast yeah, uh, subsequently used for the DVD, I should say. All right, now we're with Ola, played by Gerton Glauber, who was previously the galley master. That's an amazing name. Yeah. the galley master in the Romans. Okay. Uh, yeah. I Not a big feel- role, but still. Yeah. I, I weirdly feel like I remember him. I should say, uh, sometimes some, it's some of the uh, guest actors from this era where we're mostly watching anime. It's just because... Mm-hmm. It's not really right. them. So. Right. We didn't actually see him act in this ever. Right. We just right. We heard his voice, but we didn't get to see his performance really. Uh, yeah, no, that's dead on. He also appeared in 1984's Top Secret. He was the mayor in that. And my, uh, guest star Patrick Barr he appeared in the 1983 Bond film Octopussy. Mm. There you go. Big Doctor Who cast reunion. I <laughs> Graham played Barney, probably best known for Ken Russell's The Devils from 1971. Very different feel from this. In 1987's Jane and the Lost City, uh, which I I do believe I have seen, and uh, so, I have not, yeah. uh, it is not good. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Rarely do bad movies get like mentioned or remembered yeah i i feel like it's one of those unless i feel like it's one of those movies from like the mid to late 80s that was sort of like adventure themed but then like mm-hmm. all the little clad so there's like the, there's like this uh sort of like half parody half sort of like <laughs> i don't know it wasn't it like a sincere parody, almost. Yeah, parody, but it wasn't. It wasn't specific enough to feel like parody, and it wasn't funny enough to be interesting. And I don't know. It's. I don't. And I don't remember in it, which is probably just as well. So, <laughs> no, it's boring. 
Ian Fairbairn played Ke- uh, Kesta. There's a name that kind of sounds like a Keita, like one of our uh, current Sacramento Kings players. That's just not him. Uh, Ian Fair- Fairbairn will also appear in The Invasion, Inferno, and The Seeds of Doom. Inferno feels like it's come wow. up before. So, uh, well, we've had we've had some Hartnell stories with the name Inferno. Mm. Yeah, like individual like episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yes. Although Seeds of Doom, Inferno, and The Invasion are three of the their best liked serials from their respective eras. So he's wow. got a he's a little bit of a Doctor Who good luck charm. I, think. I was gonna say he's got the uh, he's got he's he's got the juice. Yeah. A little more. Uh, the controller was played by Graham Lehman. Maybe it's Lehman. Graham Lehman played the controller. Will also appear in Fury from the Deep, The Seeds of Death, Colony in Space, and The Three Doctors. I can presume that one's probably not coming up anytime soon. But the other <laughs> ones can be from any. So if you're noticing, we're getting a lot of. We're getting all of these like repeat. Um, Mm-hmm. which is cool we're kind of getting these seeds of like this extended doctor who family that's kind of a fun thing to track yes I agree. Uh, and the controller interesting role we'll have our chances to talk about about it um yeah played by john harvey was previously professor brett in the war machines so again this uh sort of war machine uh did the remind me of the name of the writer again well uh ian stewart black yeah, it's almost like this Ian Stewart black verse of like <laughs> guest stars. And finally, I'm bringing up a very small role because uh, part named uh, Chicky, I believe. I don't, do you even remember who Chicky is or what or what she may do in this? Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, she's not very memorable, but I, I think I see why you're bringing her up. Yeah, because. Uh, the eagle-eyed viewer, well, I, I guess we never had a chance because, again, we watched it and it. Played by two different actresses. Uh, she shows up in episode one and in episode four. Which is, which is unusual because the part is very minor, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think I think she may speak to Ben or maybe it's Amy, like, really briefly <laughs> in episode one. In episode one, she's played by Sandra Bryant. Kitty in the War Machines again. The uh, got the Ian Stewart Blackiverse in full effect. Only played in episode one before being asked to be let out of her contract to take on a bigger, more lucrative part. I would did a little digging. Uh, educated guesses that might be the in the TV series Saturday while Sunday, uh, which sounds again all. Shows that you haven't heard of sound made up, and this one is no exception. Yeah, click yeah. <laughs> on it. It stars Malcolm McDowell and Timothy Dalton. So it's now I kind of wow. want to watch it. <laughs> What's it called again? It's called Saturday Well Sunday, or if you, I suppose it might be because there's a little apostrophe between the T and the D. It replaces the U R in Saturday, so I guess it might be a Saturday Well Sunday. I suppose. Yes, 1967, 13 episodes. Malcolm with the adult. Wow. And then uh, episode four, Chickie's played by Carol Keys, which is a pseudonym. Real name is Luann Peters. 
I didn't know. Uh, so I didn't realize you could just like take off midway through a serial. I mean, she was on her contract. She didn't have to ask to be left, let go of it. Oh, I, I guess that's so she just. So they they let her goodbye. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. It's not like not like anyone noticed. I mean, I yeah. mean, so, someone noticed, but um, history has borne that out because right now the only ways to watch it are via animation, so it doesn't matter, or through reconstruction. Where I I feel very confident in saying that you probably wouldn't notice in the loose cannon reconstruction either. That's what I have. Um, one only, I only have one other thing. Uh, another thing I liked about it, and then we can start jumping into the episode breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that again. We have another. It's another colony story, but this time the it's not under siege. The attack is already like there and like within. I thought that was a cool move to kind of differentiate this type of story that they're clearly leaning heavily towards. I thought that was another clever little creative touch. I agree. Um, I, I I agree. And again, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I like the psychological horror of it, of like, you know, you're the one person who can, who can see what's actually going on and everyone thinks you're crazy. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I think that's a little bit of a, of a mind trip and in a way that's good and appropriate for, for a Doctor Who serial. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, let's break down these four episodes here. And uh, we can put to rest, finally, the Mocker Terror. Episode one. We start in a way that is unusual for this show. We start with kind of like a, not a big song and dance. That would be overselling it. But we get like, kind of get like a little drum line and like a, so already I, I, I'm kind of digging it because this is so different from what we normally open with like a, <laughs> a mysterious place, desolate area or, or and the TARDIS already. And here it's like, okay, I don't know where we're going with this. That, it was a nice, nice, nice way to start off. Well, especially because like the the one teaser we got was just uh, you know the doctor looking into the future and just seeing a big giant claw. It's a good point. Yeah, what, is, how do they see the claw? They must have landed at night when the mocker come out. I don't know. If remember I, that was a, that was a glimpse of their future. Glimpse of the future, of course. Thank you for keeping me on track there. Probably when uh, but, Jamie was getting attacked, if I had a guess, but that makes perfect sense. See, they had this all worked out. Uh, we meet the uh, the pilot of the colony. His name is just pilot. We meet the leader of the band. His name is Bart, and they're having a good time. Doc, who's, uh, who's who seems vexed. <laughs> uh, I don't think he says anything right away. Right? He's just he's just on the run, and uh, we meet Ola, and he says like he's not. He's, he's not taking his treatment. Right. But we don't really know what's uh, going on yet. But, like, it's clearly, like, an issue, right? Like, he's not taking his treatment. Everyone's, you know, really worried about it. 
So again, already, I mean, you kind of know, like, obviously there's going to be a turn here, but so far this seems like a passionate society. They're taking care of the sick. They're putting together a nice little song, <laughs> you know? So through Madoc, I mean, he's running through, there's like a wooded area outside. Um, he's like hiding within the rocks and it's here that our, uh, our uh, intrepid doctor and his uh, band of companions. Uh, let's see here. Right. Or like he's, cause he's just kind of, he's just kind of. Yeah. Well, I also think he thinks they're trying to get him, right? Like he doesn't know who they are. Right. Or what's going on. So, and Ben and Jamie used to do them because. Yeah. Yeah. There's the two of them and, you know, <laughs> You know, Madoff's a, a scrawny guy. He's not hes not old by any means. He, he seems a little scrawny and perhaps not well fed. Um, he's probably pretty tired at that point, too. Where mm-hmm. ben and Jamie were probably pretty rested. So yeah, as you mentioned, uh, he's subdued. Ben and Jamie uh, take care of him pretty easily. Ola and the guards uh, arrive. Uh, they take the prisoner back with them. And as a report, uh, you know, the as these guest characters want to do, just let these strangers into their uh, little society. <laughs> mm. But I guess it's the least they could do. They want they want to show off that they're uh, you know, they want to they're they not show off that they're happy. They are. That's another thing about yeah. it. It's not. It's only pretend for like a few people. Like you know, the, the facade is real to some. I think. Well, right. Well, I think that's that's something the 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 hero wants you to question: is are they really happy? Right? Because they're told they're happy. Right. I mean, quite. I mean, it goes into the nature of mind control, even if it's like right, and that becomes a whole driving by the next episode. Definitely is like you know, <laughs> even if you're told to feel it or you're brainwashed to feel something, you still feel it. So I don't know. They almost there's almost like an ethical. Serial <laughs> almost gets into. Yeah. Let's see. So we hear uh we get this little uh another musical sting that I think is supposed to uh signify that uh oh, change and shift. It has lyrics and everything. I thought that was fun. I mean they're not they're not brilliant. It's stuff like, you know, we love to work, work, work. And this is where, if I'm not mistaken, we get this lovely the doctor that is not animated for whatever reason, but we, uh, is intact in the loose change, loose change, loose cannon. Loose, <laughs> loose change. That's a different movie entirely. Loose reconstruction. They're in this place called the apartment. Uh, Jamie, Polly, Ben, and the doctor are, and they're kind of just they're set up. How would you describe the refreshing department? Well, it's, it's like a salon. Yeah, uh, that's a good way of looking. Yeah, at it. you know they they get their haircuts, they get you know get to have a bath, and you know Polly gets a haircut here, um, so that she has short hair, and you know they get the clothes cleaned, and this is the this is what the the it got cut in the animation due to time and budget. They didn't have the budget to make it look good. Okay. And so, because it's... It does require a costume change, I guess. It requires of. a costume change, and it, it, it would require a big, like, physical animation. 
and so and it's also not that important to the plot i think it's more has more thematic value and character value than it does plot value it's a great character it is and so basically of course the you know second doctor is kind of had this raggedy looking outfit right i mean that's the whole thing like his ties loose his pants and coats seem a little too big you know, he kind of, mm-hmm. you know, he exudes that cosmic hobo that, that you know, the Sidney Newman coined. And so they clean him up. They, they put him in the, uh, what was it called again? The, um... Uh, it's the, uh, ref- I believe it's the uh, refresh, the ref- I almost want to say the refreshment department. Well, no, no, no. This is the refreshment department, but they put him in, oh, what's that thing called? The, um... Oh. I, I don't have remember. to with it. Yeah, we can. Yeah, but it, it, it doesn't matter. They, they put him in something like clean him up and he comes out looking nice, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And was, I think this is a big thing that would have like moved around and stuff like that. And he gets mad and he immediately cr- messes his clothes back up again. <laughs> yeah, I love it. it. It is so funny. And um, I do understand why they might, if they have to like get a specific budget <laughs> uh, constraint fulfilled, I understand that. That's kind of. I think it speaks volumes <laughs> towards. I I think it's a key difference. I don't. Tell me what you think of. Um, I think the first doctor felt like he did put like some pride in his appearance. Oh, he absolutely did. I mean, Granite Terror is the kind of the key example, but he was always, you know, I he absolutely put pride in his appearance. I I, I think this is a big difference between the two of them. Is you know, I think. The second doctor kind of wants to be underestimated a little bit. Uh, I think it helps. I mean, again, it's that gathering information. And this whole episode is about him kind of sneaking away to like get information like in stages. Uh, I think he's able to do that because no one would expect him to do full of much. (laughs) He's just this weird looking guy. Uh, So we move back up with Maydoc, who's brought back into the con. He sees his old friend Kesta. Might be Questa. Uh, and this is where we kind of get a little bit again, everything that what Maydog has seen and what he like he believes meted out in stages. And here he just knows like, I see horrible things at night that like no one's talking about. <laughs> um, he makes it very clear like I'm not seeing things, like that they are real. <laughs> no one wants to listen. Maybe. Maybe it's because he's crazy. Maybe because there's some deeper evil. I think if you've gotten this far, you probably know what direction it's going. But, <laughs> but we'll play the game right. for a little bit. And I think probably not uncoincidentally, uh, we meet this kind of Wizard of Oz figure named the Controller, who is a character a character I really like. And you could also make an argument he is like a main antagonist, if only in the background. Because... <laughs> We don't see him much. No, we don't. You know, it's kind of interesting. Did you ever see the 1984 movie? I have not. He reminds me of something from that. And I, maybe because the, the book had come out prior to this, so maybe it's an intentional illusion. But um, Yeah, I mean, you can, you can speak on it. I'm, I'm sure people listening have seen Well, yeah, well, it's just like yeah. the, the kind of the big face and like, on a screen, telling people what to do. I mean, that's 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 right from 1984. This is, um, this is gonna. This is how. This is my. These are how my literary references go. 
how close is it to like the uh, Apple computer Super Bowl commercial 1984 that also kind of has a big old dial screen kind of droning on to a bunch of uh, slaves, basically? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was that was an intentional like parody like that. It was pretty close to that. So if I can use that like, pop culture reference, then yes, I, I actually do. <laughs> I do see what you say. I know it's like no, I didn't read the book. I saw the commercial. Um, well, it was because obviously this, this the movie came out in the eighties, if I'm not mistaken. Um, probably, I, but obviously the book came out long before then. Right, but I figure if you're a movie studio in the early eighties, like we gotta make a movie out of this book because it's cut. The, the year's coming up. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, it did come out in 1984. Okay. They I nailed so. it. I don't want to. Say, yeah. <laughs> I was so happy to pass that up. Yeah. It'd be um, so embarrassing if it like got the lady. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, obviously the book came out way beforehand, so I don't sure. know if you know it's possible. Like I don't know if it's a coincidence or not. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, could be. Um. I also think the idea, I mean, again, I said the Wizard of Oz kind of jokingly, but there is sort of a parallel there, right? Of a, of yeah. a man who's presenting himself as uh, younger and stronger than he maybe really is. So no, I think, I think, that, I that, think but, Wizard of Oz is, a, is, a, is, a, is probably the more accurate um, reference because, yeah, I mean, there is something behind the curtain. It's not a man in this case, but there is something behind the curtain. Uh, yeah. He's lying to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, perhaps not coincidentally, uh, the controller announces a big reception. Uh, I'm sure that it's both intentional in terms of like we we are we are hospitable hosts, and also to get people's you know to kind of cover up, kind of freaking out in front of everybody. Right. Well, and, and also um, so that, and also like get them to the reception, get them to a sleeve, so you can brainwash them. And it's here, this is where the doctor manages to kind of sneak off, break in cell, and kind of info. He doesn't get the full thing here. Um, it, it, again, it is sort of in stages. But here, he's able to at least extract. It's interesting because Maydock doesn't trust him right away. And uh, probably wouldn't either. But he, what does the doctor learn here? Well, he learns uh, kind of how the, the society works. He learns that the guy sees something that a knife that crawls on the ground, mm. uh, which, of course, the, you know, the driving force of the doctor right now is he knows he's going to see some big clawed monster. Um, right. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, Medoc, you know, after the doctor lets him go, Medoc just runs away and doesn't explain anything more to the doctor. Uh, this was also, by the way, um, the only thing that Chicky does in the whole serial. When the doctor was letting letting go Medoc, she comes by and asks him if he needs any help. Uh, so big they needed two people to play it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that that's Chicky's role. <laughs> A role, a role so so small. It doesn't even really get mentioned in this official write-up. So <laughs> I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah, uh, he kind of leaves the doctor in a bad spot here because yeah, you know he's kind of caught red-handed here, and they want to send them into what they call the pits, uh, which is essentially 
the labor camp. Right. But, but the doctor's kind of able to talk his way out of it and kind of establish his own credibility, right? Because he's like, I caught, we were the ones that caught Madoc anyway, and uh, I'm not from around here. I don't know how things work. <laughs> right. And uh, the pilot seems much more, um, you know, sympathetic to, to the doctor. Sort of a good Obviously. cop, bad cop thing. Maybe not intentionally, but Ola is very much like, let's just, let, let's, I want to arrest people and take them back and pilot at least presents himself as a little bit more pleasant. Yes. <laughs> Complimentary. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So they, they also allude to like, you know, don't ruffle up too many feathers. You might get sent to for correction and treatment so the stage is set here for something sinister to be revealed um although i, I kept well, the first time i watched it i kept i kept expecting someone to be sent to the hospital for like you know what i mean like i, I kind of felt like they kept uh teasing that without ever actually um going there you know that's a good obviously the brain if you're going to set up a checkups brainwashing center, if you're going to bring up you know, the concept <laughs> of brainwashing, you can probably expect one of our characters to get brainwashed. But they do it well, method they're not set up here. True, and Which so is, maybe that's, I, I didn't really that's think fine. That. No, but I did. I did kept. I kept expecting someone to go, whether it was you know Polly or Ben or somebody. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, they just never did for whatever reason. Yes, <laughs> they just do it while they're sleeping. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, we learn kind of like the some of the output of the labor center is that it does they are building like new homes so there's sort of like this this almost has the air of did you ever see that documentary where like, NBA team like or Dennis Rodman's like rec league squad or whatever like went into North Korea and like they went on this tour and it's very clearly like a very sanitized version of North Korea where you know, they had people set up like in libraries to look like they were all like working and happy. It all feels right. very sinister. So everything seems pleasant on the uh, in the forefront, <laughs> but it's what they're not talking about that makes it really, really eerie. Um, it's crazy. I haven't seen that, but I'm crazy not surprised. Yeah, uh, that sounds all. Uh, that sounds insane. Um. Labor center, we do see like in the new construction sites, uh, made up hiding. Dr. Clocks this, but keeps his mouth shut, and he uh, puts that away for later. Let's see. Oh, yeah, this is where we start learning about the gas. I don't know if you want to clue everyone like what what we know so far about the gas. Yeah, they, they give the doctor and, and his team a, a crew, a, um, a, a tour, and there's like tapping away at stuff and they're like well what are you guys doing and it's kind of a well we're trying to get we're just getting gas <laughs> and and everyone's like well why do you want gas like what are you doing that for and no one really knows but they just know it was very important and they have to do it and then two workers from the pits come in and they're like medically like you know they got gas sickness is what it was called but they just kind of um you know, they're not doing well. They're obviously like health is very impaired trying to get this gas. And everyone's just kind of like, well, that's just the job, right? There's, the gas has to be gotten. It's a nice little blue collar. 
Yeah. Uh, especially for 60s England. Um, yeah, Doc way back to the construction site and you get some more info about Madox creatures and uh, you get confirmation that these are the clawed creatures that they saw in their like their time scanner, whatever that's called. No, time scanner. I do believe that is the correct term for the show. Sometimes you gotta go a little literal. Like you think easy like Star Wars term. It's like no time time scanner. <laughs> the show um, takes advice to heart, Ryan. Yeah. Fit, fish fish surgery, as I recall from, from the bottom <laughs> Um This is where yeah, so they get the uh, they to find out the giant insects with huge claws. And anyone who else has seen the locked up long term in like long-term care quote-unquote uh this is where let's see there's a little bit back and forth like uh the doctor leaves because the alarm gets sound and he goes back to Maydock. so, like, right, well, so is, now, now something you keep in mind is we're we're out past curfew now right like all, is, all, all is like listen uh, i'm I'm letting you know. You guys go to your room. You don't leave. If you leave, you get arrested. Get sent to the hospital or the pit. Like, and he's like, "Now you have no excuse. If I catch you out, I'm going to be able to like arrest you, right? Like, right? Setting up the rules, lay of the land, you know? Right. So, but also still so that like the doctor can't get away again, right? Like, you can't like use the, that excuse that he doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the doctor immediately sneaks out after the curfew uh, starts. Uh, and, and that's a similarity between the first two doctors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and they, get, yeah. they they hold up in like one of the, like the half made houses and stuff like that. I think I right. think the doctor's plan here is just to see. Okay, what are we gonna see? And also to talk to Madoc, I think to find find out mm. what's going on. Hmm. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I think we're at the cliffhanger for episode one here. This is where yep. we see a nicely animated. Not fully revealed. Well, you get you get enough, and I don't know mm-hmm. what people in 1967 saw. Something crazy, <laughs> a little lower rent, but probably creepy. And it is really that simple. I think they just they stumble. Where the creatures run around, and it's one of these crab creatures with the long claws, as promised, and that's episode one. Yep. Episode two. Maydock's pretty happy here because he now has proof that he's not going crazy and he now has a witness. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, but the problem here, Ola kind of catches up with them. He completely dismisses their claims. And I think this is oh, kind yeah. of right. And I think this is what yeah. accelerates their next plan here, which is to turn, turn these strangers and turn them into some of these uh, mindless drones that... Uh, that they need to keep happy under artificial means. Right. Then another threat. Yes, and of course they were going to do it anyway, but yes. Right. And and we mentioned, you know, they don't do it through hospital means. They do it through, like, the... I I don't know if you can... uh, Maybe you can explain better than I, because I'm not quite sure I quite understand the, um, for lack of a better term, science behind this, but it's like... It's med. It's like 
they go into deep sleep. And well, you know, native treatment to kind of yeah, yeah. Like, have you ever seen those things where like you you put some like book like some audio in, you put some headphones on when you go to sleep, and like you listen to like reaffirming statements, and it's supposed to like help your confidence and mood. You know, have you ever seen things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see sometimes it's like you can quit smoking by putting on these tapes or whatever. Yeah, you listen to tapes as you sleep and like it affects your subconscious and then you'll I, you know, less want to go to sleep. I don't know if those actually work or not. Um, I, feel I, like, I feel like it works in the same way like hypnosis works. I feel like if you think it works, it will, it will, it will work. And if you're like, if you think, don't believe in it, like it's not going to, I think you have to have like the right mindset for it is is my thought behind it. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't actually know. But that's, that's the idea. And so they, they put some gas to make them more um, susceptible, I guess, to the, to the brainwashing. And they, um, they, they played that kind of a brainwashing audio for them. And, you know. Right. Uh, and this but, is, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, so something we didn't mention is Jamie's kind of been like put off by this whole place from the start. Yes. He's like, something, something's not right here. And he even tells that to Polly at some, at, at, at some time during the first episode. And yeah. this is, um, yeah. It helps that he's not s- sleeping well, right? So he's already kind of resistant to it in a way that mm-hmm. the rest aren't. But they're not able to like He's not consistently in like deep REM for them to really brainwash him. So like he kind of he doesn't get brainwashed here, and he's I think he's able to kind of help uh, at least keep Polly from. Uh, you know, I don't want to step on anything, but you know I think he I think he at least no I have it here. It's not Polly. He talks to Ben, and Ben's like I'm fine, and of course we're gonna find out he's not so fine. <laughs> Well, they also kind of hint at it because Ben kind of like repeats something that was in the um, the, the statement, right? That they were saying to him. He's, he's like, he's like, I'm ready. Like, I, we got to work tomorrow morning. <laughs> like, he's he's right, uh, right. Kind of like a workers' man mindset here. Let's see. That that's what it is. I had it mixed up. The doctor goes to Polly's kind of like sleeping room. They refer to him as. I think that's as good a term as any to describe them, and he basically like bust the circuits. <laughs> he just right. basically smashes his way out of uh, keeping her being brainwashed. So it sets up this really interesting dynamic where Ben is now basically working against the team and it's like this long road. I think this, this serial's they don't, they don't shy from it. Like it takes until the end of the fourth episode for him to like fully come around. He gets like this hero moment. If it were longer, they might have thought about just having to be brainwashed like an episode or two, or maybe if they were like not sure if people were going to go for that, they might have just done it for like an episode or two. But to their credit, like this is this is how it is for a while, and you kind of get these. I think that they don't like cut corners here. Like we're going to track these moments where like he could turn here, and he goes like, "No, no, 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 I'm not seeing what I think I'm seeing," or like that didn't happen the way you think it happens. It's all very dramatic. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, yeah okay here we go this is Ben's first freak out because yeah they kind of figure out okay obviously trying to control our thoughts so they're going room to room to kind of like like Jamie's already up Polly's uh, 
equipment's already been smashed. They go to like smash bends, in, like indignant, right? Right. Report all of you to Ola. So Ben's Ben's lost for the moment. Uh, and this is where I <laughs> something I do think is kind of interesting is how like unsympathetic Jamie is. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it makes it sense, right? Yeah, he is he still sort of like the outsider here, and I think that to my recollection, I think because like here, like. Ben kind of gets physical with Polly and like kind of drags her back and like, but like they've established as friends from like the get go. Like they knew each other before they ever met the doctor. And like Jamie's like this outsider, so like I, I think that that's a nice like color to play with for him. Like this kind of unsympathetic card. Like he's pretty pretty blunt with Ben about all this. I say blunt with <laughs> blunt with Ben. I think so. Yes, he is. He is, and um, I also think it makes sense because the idea of brainwashing is probably just something he only has a tenuous grasp on. Sure. Yeah, I, I didn't really think about it, but like that—that's almost like literal witchcraft, <laughs> as far as he's concerned. You would think, and they don't really—they don't really make too much out of that. But you got to figure if you're from like like seventeen hundred Scotland, like this is almost like satanic. <laughs> this idea of like brainwashing someone right well i think you know jamie at this point he's kind of like okay things are <laughs> this, this, there's more going on here than i'm ever gonna know but um right yeah so he, he seems to have kind of accepted he's like i don't like i think he said at the end i don't, I don't know what water mess i don't know what's going on here but this, i'm having a good time with you guys uh, <laughs> So that's still his point of view, I think. And so he doesn't really know what's going, understand what's going on with Ben. So he's not having it. Which is nice. Um, because again, it kind of plays that conflict between them and gives them very different roles to play. So no one's stepping on each other's toes. Yeah, I, I think it's really elegantly written. Uh, yeah, so this is where Polly gets to see one of the macro for herself. And this is kind of Ben's first real moment of like, get it together, man. I mean, you know, you're, you're like, you're excited with the screen, right? Prior to this, um, if I'm not mistaken, the doctor gets arrested and Jamie does too. Yes, it might be simultaneously. It might be before this. The the doctor gets arrested and Jamie tries to help the doctor. Mm -hmm. And he gets arrested for the physical altercation he gets in trying to help the doctor. So it's just Ben and Polly together. Correct. Because Jamie and and Polly's pretty upset too, even though I think she kind of understands what's going on. Like, it's a hard thing to be upset. Touch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a rough thing to go through. It is. And so she runs away to see if she can do something she can do to help. Right, and this is where Ben like drags her back because. Well, tries to. Yeah. We have, we have to. We have to work. <laughs> Right, or where are you going? Oh, he seems conflicted about it because he's not reporting it, right? So he's not reporting even from the it. start. They're they're kind of playing with with the whole the whole like exactly how brainwashed is he? And this is why, again, I I going through with it from start to finish because even though like actually like I know Ben's going to be okay, and, like he's not going to hurt anybody, and like he's going to be back by the end of 
episode four, every moment where like he can maybe come back and like be the old man. Like to me, like the part of my brain was like, come on, like get it. Like, why don't you get it? And I think that that's, that's a compliment to the show. <laughs> I agree. Like, I, I bought into like the drama of it all. See, I did dragging. too. I did too. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, he's I, dragging. Yeah. So he's dragging um, her back and it's also, over, like the work area. Yeah. It also helps that, you know, this isn't something the show plays with very often either. Um, kind of a companion working against the doctor and his team. Well, which is interesting because you think it'd be something that because week to week or I guess block to block, I guess, month to month, however you want to look at it, you have to constantly come up with something for all these characters to do. And I think we can kind of see, obviously the last couple serials almost like don't count because Jamie was like this very last second edition. <laughs> But you would think, you know, there's always at least a couple characters. I know there's like one, where like it was just Steven and the Doctor. But there's always multiple characters that account for it. And you would think it would be something you'd come to think of early on. And it hasn't really happened yet. And it kind of sounds like it's not something that they do that often from how you're talking about it. Not really, no. Um, you know, mostly it's, you know, like you've seen, you know, the, the Doctor and Companions. You know, usually they'll get separated and kind of have their own own part of you know fighting whatever the antagonist is. Right. I guess there's only so many ways you can do it too, because realistically, they can either be like mind controlled or they can like actually like make a villain turn, and like that's obviously not going to stick. So like that's kind of silly. So how many mind control mm -hmm. stories can you really do? Right. Exactly. That, fair enough. Let's see. Where do we leave off here? So this so, is this is where Paul yeah, is. So, so this is a right? big like action set piece, which probably was like really awkward and clunky in the actual broadcast. Some 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 elements of this still exist though, because it got censored from the Australia broadcast. Right. So the violent scenes remain. Right. <laughs> no, right. We we haven't talked about the actual animation. Mm much but i think the animation should, should. Here, the animation here looked really good i thought it was and so it should be mentioned this is the same company that did power of the dollar there you go and they vastly improved on it because i did not like the power of the dollar animation uh, here yeah <laughs> it was much i don't better. know maybe and it helps this, that there's like actual action scenes and maybe they just there's more for them to play with than just people standing there talking i don't know i think i think I just think they did. They learned. Like, Power of the Dogs was their first attempt. This was their second. Mm. And in fact, the next two serials, the Faceless One and the season finale, Evil of the Daleks, are also done by the studio. And cool. so they basically, they basically, they did Power of the Daleks, and then a couple years later, they did Macrotera. Then they did Faceless Ones the next year, and they did Evil of the Daleks the year after that. It was in that order. It was in that order. Yeah, like they actually Ooh. like. They, they animated like the, the last three serials of this one in order. They did not do the Moonbase. Moonbase was animated prior to the, this contract. And so, yeah. And if they had just done. And so that, you know, that, and I don't know who's doing the rumored smugglers and underwater menace. But anyway, and, and this seen. was part of the, this was part of the, the funding that BBC America did. And like the so BBC America funded these and they broadcasted them on their 
on there, um, you know, on TV. Nice. Which is yeah. which is why which is why they're not on Britbox because BBC America is the one that owns the broadcast rights in America for the serial. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, Britbox source for us up until starting the last uh, the last season and a half, and then I, I mm-hmm. miss it. Well, you know, there's we'll be able to watch some of it on for season five, and then starting with season six. It's almost all on there. Come back to you, Brit Box. I promise. I promise. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is, again, Ben, it's set up from the beginning, like how brainwashed is Ben as you. And here, I mean, it's almost immediately challenged because Polly gets to see, you know, she gets grabbed by like, this huge claw. Like Ben fights it off. Like he's not just letting, he's not letting her die. But it kind of comes with this question of, okay, well, like, Polly's now seen uh, the Makra. Like, they've narrowly escaped. It's uh, quite in this moment, but, like, Ben basically, like, doesn't, like, you know, the doctor and are under arrest. And, like, the standing up for himself. Like, it's like, I'm, I'm quite pleased with what I did. So, um, you know, the pilot interrogation isn't going anywhere. And they all congregate and Ben doesn't vouch for anything, right? Like, Polly's saying, like, I saw, I can yeah. back up what, like, uh, you know, this crazy guy, that you, you know, this guy, supposed crazy guy I saw, and Ben's like, mm-hmm. well, no, I didn't see it. Like, that's not what, that's not what happened. So, yeah. It's a good kind of frustration as a, as a, as a, as a viewer. I agree. Um, and, but I like this cliffhanger, actually, this next one. I don't know if yeah. you want to walk through it. Uh, well, so throughout this whole thing, you've like you've had the controller, but it's just been his face. Never been like an actual video of the controller talking. You just hear the his voice talking about it with a big version of his face on the screen. So you know the doctor's like, I want to actually like talk to the controller. Like I don't want to just see his picture. Like I want a video. Let's talk. And the pilot's like, Okay, we can try that. I mean, um, this seems fair. I haven't talked to him in a while. And so they, he, he says, well, I want to talk to you, controller. And so it cuts, you know, the, the, and it's like they're, they're talking through the screen, you know, kind of like FaceTime. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to him and you see the controller, but he does not look at all the same as he does in the picture. Like, no, he's like this, as, he's this old, <laughs> he's like, old and grizzled man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, he looks like shit. Yeah, he looks, I mean, yeah, he looks awful and like, and he's like terrified and he's like looking to the side about like what to say. I mean, he's clearly like been through the ringer. Um, and they're like, hey, that's not the same guy. Like, no way. And the, he, he's not doing a very good job like convincing anyone. <laughs> he's no, he kind of can't get his ass yeah. to the point where even the pilot is yeah. like, Hmm. Like, I don't know what to yeah. make. I don't know what to make of the controller at this point, which I think is a, I think is a crucial development. It is. It is. And then you know, suddenly he gets grabbed by a claw, and you know, <laughs> he's like, "No, stop! I'll, I'll obey. I'll obey." But then he gets dragged out of the camera and shot. Like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's creepy. It's, I mean, it's... yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, Paulie's like, "Oh no, the macro's in charge." It's a, it's a, it's a pretty bleak cliffhanger. Which again is when we get into like, like, you know, we get like some singing and some dancing in three and four, and like the song kind of takes this turn because like, it's. It doesn't, the song itself, like the dance itself, doesn't really get any less cheery, but like against like the backdrop of like this really, really dark stuff, like, it has like this really chilling effect. Like the, gun, the gunfighter song could never. <laughs> I mean, that had a chilling effect for opposite reasons. This is true. Yeah, I was, I was very scared. <laughs> Every time it started playing, I was like, no, no! God, horror, the horror. <laughs> Episode three. sufficient gas in the atmosphere so they've had to get somebody to pump it up from down below but if it's life and death to them why do they waste it why divert it into the old shaft well, that's obvious Polly. obvious because there's something trapped down there they wish to keep alive dr jamie and polly are now in what is called the <laughs> which honestly sounds like an 80s band as well very i was 80s just gonna years. say i remember when we all saw a reunion tour of the danger gang and uh it wasn't very good <laughs> they they lost step. Oh uh, yeah, the controller who uh, I guess he's not shot. The controller's here, and he's basically is this like a new controller or no? The 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 voice of the controller was always the Makra. Got it. The controller got shot and killed, but they're still using the same face and voice to pretend Thank to be the controller. Thank you. So the Makra, as the controller, now ordering the pilot yeah. like you didn't see any of this, like just forget it, like move on. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. Yeah. Well, sort of. It is I mean, I don't think he though. truly forgets it. No, the pilot changed the pilot like from here on out. It's interesting, this kind of commentary, I think, about power. Um, the Mocker's whole power is only as strong as other people are willing to believe in it. Like, clearly they have no plan here outside of like yell at their subordinates to like maintain the status quo and hope that it does. Fear. And to their credit, it works, but do you know what <laughs> well well there's also something else right like um keep everyone happy and they won't question you either mm-hmm. right like there's that that phrase um you know keep everyone doped with like sex religion and tv right sure. which is always awesome it's yeah. always funny i think when a tv show uh tries to make that point but <laughs> yeah turn off man drop out <laughs> uh what's like running on time yeah you got the trains run on time yeah although people happy right well i i heard that's not even true but that is the the cliche that he got the trains run on time so people were happy with them and it didn't matter that uh a whole bunch of terrible stuff was going on that's the first i've ever heard that like they may not have been like that much on time (laughs) <laughs> i i can't speak i can't speak to that i'm not uh an expert in world war ii or fascist italy but i'm starting to think that mussolini guy was kind of full of it <laughs> <laughs> this is where you meet which is a name that frustrates me to look at because i keep wanting to say official and i probably will say official and it's not fair mm-hmm. so official doesn't doesn't not track <laughs> Anyway, uh, is in charge here of our uh, prisoners, and uh, it turns out they have a 
Jets leader, and it's Maydock. <laughs> right? Right, yeah, he's been condemned to the pits. Right, and so um, at least he has a promotion. quickly rose to the ranks. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess when you die really quickly down there, the lots of, lots of promotion opportunities. Yeah, that's bleak, but you're right. This is where the our characters kind of split up, quote-unquote, right? Like, the doctor... The doctor stays up top while Jamie and Paul are kind right. of like in in the mines, quote unquote. And I don't mean that in like a I mean like they're they're kind of they get gas masks and they're like they're working in actual pits. Yeah. And Jamie, I think Jamie kind of orchestrates this a little bit without tipping his hand, right? Yeah, they kind of argue about who which two should go, what who should stay behind, and Jamie kind of makes a point like we need you to figure a, a, a way out of here, man. Like, we'll go in the pits, do the work. You figure out how do we get out of here. Like, we need your brain working right now. Whereas the doctor kind of wanted to do the noble thing of, like, work instead of one of his companions. Which I think it's, again, good character moment for Jamie here. Like, he has mm-hmm. he, he has his uh, friends here figured out in a good way. I think it shows he's kind of like, he has like an intuition as to other people's characters. That's cool. This is the first like Jamie story, by the way, that I thought really, really worked, which is I don't think is any I don't think that's a coincidence. No, it's not. Uh let's see. So the doctor's up top, he's observing, he's just getting the lay of the land, and he kinda has a running Ben here, right? Yes. And Ben is I forgot what he's doing there, but he's you just like run on an errand. Yeah, it's like on, it might be on patrol or something, and he's to, he's completely under control of of uh, these crab creatures here, which is, it all sounds so silly. This should be such a silly story because the, the the main <laughs> bad guys are crab puppets, right? Like, <laughs> yes. Although it does the smart thing of like not really showing them too much. I think that's the power of it. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think. This, but I'm gonna this for like it's the web planet, right? And you see the crab people constantly, yeah. and like they talk and stuff, but like they're not doing that, right? But I'm also gonna argue this is a show that you know a large part of its long term success is due to the fact due to villains that look like upside down thimbles and what? with plungers. So I would argue that like um, the show is able to kind of like create situations and villains that transcend how bad they look. <laughs> This um, this is a fact. Yes, that is true. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, so d- 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 like Ben is as as deep deep into this mind control as he's ever been. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe Ben. Maybe Ben doesn't make it. But it's a very nice scene, and I bet Trouton was wonderful in it. He's very sympathetic to Ben and very kind. Uh, yeah, agreed. It's a nice dynamic, and I, just, I, just, I, I, I really can't wait to get my get our teeth into seasons five and six, which sounds very much like we're at, we're going to be increasingly out of the, in the clear of uh, actual hard copy episodes. Yeah, well, so yeah, I, I, I guess think more of more of season five exists, and for season six, there's only two missing serials, and of those of those two missing serials, one is almost complete they're just missing two episodes the other one's completely missing got it but you're still talking about very few missing 
episodes in season six. And starting with season seven, there's nothing missing. We've got it. Ah, looking forward to it. Uh, we got some gas stuff going on here. Um, there's like a gas leak, I guess, or like <laughs> yeah. a, a, an eruption. I don't Eruption, yeah. I mean, they're looking for gas. They found it, you know. Yep. Uh, this is where Madoc kind of reveals that, again, they reiterate, like, we know that it's it's toxic, it's lethal, and uh, that's all we know about the gas. <laughs> uh, no more questions, because there's no more answers. Yeah. Um, and, oh, yeah, I, I, I guess that becomes a revelation because uh, one of the uh, one of the we don't that collapses and dies so it's it's also quick acting poison right With, okay this we gotta make a decision here in life we often do we can we can either go back and forth between the doctor because he has a nice scene here with the with the pilot or we can stick with we can stick with i think we Ollie for i think well, i think we need to go back and forth because i think the two storylines stay pretty connected throughout the rest of the episode Fair enough. So we see the doctor, and he's he's he kind of has like this eureka I found it moment on. Uh, he's working on some equations on a. Seems to have figured out <laughs> what he's trying to figure out, and the pilot sees him. And first, he thinks he's stealing something, right? Like he's stealing secrets. Well, he's like, "How did you find this out? Who told you this?" And the doctor's like, oh, "I figured it out." Like, just, you know, it's like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the pilot's like, "You better like." keep to see yourself and like erase all your notes because they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna arrest you if, you if anyone else sees this so the pilot's kind of becoming on the on the protagonist side here a little bit like maybe not fully but i think in episode one he he this still led to the doctor's direct arrest and here he's going like i'm giving you a chance to like cover your cover your tracks here <laughs> right uh let's see oh uh jamie and polly they were back in the mind let's see here so <laughs> i do want to re- read out a, a, a literal line here on the uh com page officia meddles in some of his work and gas erupts in his face which is what happens but it's just it's funny how it, <laughs> it's just funny to see it read out like that <laughs> yeah and so i think we see some quick thinking by, by jamie here right the officia is a mm-hmm. prison keeper and he gets knocked out so Jamie steals the keys and runs. Yep. Good call. Um, mm-hmm. And then Ben comes in and now they, they, they... Again, it's sad. They have to worry like Ben might have saw us. <laughs> he saw us do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, yep. The, Jamie uses the keys. They did find this door earlier uh, that looked new-ish and uh, very like reinforced, very thick, very strong. These keys do open up that door, so Polly and Jamie are on the run. Well, Jamie is, but then Polly gets... It's, it's kind of a quick back and forth. Uh, Maydot calls Polly back. Farm goes off. Polly says, oh, Jamie. So Maydot goes to follow Jamie. Polly's by herself. Yeah, Polly gets left behind. Mm-hmm. And Madoc and Jamie are on the run. Official. And a big, uh, a big character moment for Ben coming up, too. When the, the you know, yeah, the officia yeah. realizes his keys are gone, Ben is like, oh, you must have dropped them somewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though he saw, he saw that Jamie took them, and that's even something the doctor uh, confronts Ben about. And, again, in a very sympathetic way. 
And Ben's like, yeah, I did see him. Yeah, I mean, you're like, oh, you might be, you might be getting better. And uh, mm-hmm. Ben kind of not dismisses this, but I don't think takes it fully to heart because you know, yeah, his brain's probably the most vulnerable here because like he's in between like brainwashed and not. So, right. So yeah, he runs off to tell the pilot what's going on. Uh, meanwhile, Jamie's attacked by Amakra, so that's. <laughs> Let's see. This is where Madoc dies, right? Uh, not not yeah, on screen, but um, yeah, big action sequence for Jamie here. Uh, he discovers Madoc dead, and uh, it's been noted. Yeah. This was this was one kind of odd difference between the animation and the actual episode. Um, in the anime, in the actual episode, he just Madoc's dead body is there, but in the animation, he's like turned to goo. I don't know why they made that change. Maybe it was just cheaper. I don't know. But well, um, something else I wanted to mention about the animation is, and I think when, especially in this era where like the '60s directorial style is kind of inherently very stagnant, not a problem. Mm-hmm. It is a characteristic of it. And when you see these more modern animated reconstructions of them or retellings, however you want to characterize them. They do kind of make more modern choices, like those like camera zooms, and they're shot very just in a way that like you would make like a TV show now, with the, given the same script and story beats and everything. And I think when we first started this project, this kind of used to bump me a little bit. And like I don't know if this is just because I'm getting used to it. I don't know if it's been done more elegantly in this story, but like it didn't bother me here. I I thought it, it's actually kind of appreciated. I think it kind of made the story. More like I might have liked this less with the actual episodes because it might have looked cheaper and a little bit more stagnant and like not all that exciting. So I don't know. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of that. Yeah, I'm I've never been personally that bothered when they don't stick to what might have happened in the actual episode of the 60s. Like, I do appreciate that a lot of this didn't match the telesnaps, which means they did try to make it at least look the same and frame the shots in a similar way. But at the same time, like, I think they're just telling the story. They're telling the story the best they can. And I don't think it has to, like, it's never going to be what the original was. And so I think trying to make it too much like the original, I think that hamstrings it. I think it's okay to make some editorial and creative decisions to portray, portray in a different way. I, I, I guess, you know, that's kind of my thought. I think I just had it in my head. Oh, go ahead. Well, as long as you, like, like the only thing I didn't care for this one was they took something out, right? And I understand they did it for budget reasons. But, you know, um, that's the only only thing where I'm like, I I really dislike that they did this. I think that's fair. I think I just had it in my head of like, I want it to feel as much like the 60s show as possible. But like, then you start kind of realizing at a certain point, like, then what's the point of spending money to animate it if you're not going to like take advantage of the medium? And I think I've come around on that side of the equation now. Just in time for animations to largely go away after the season. So, well, never. Uh, the rumor, rumor has it, we got two more coming up for the 60th. And so we don't know where that money's coming from or who's who's funding it. Um, but it may not have gone away. I'll be excited to see it if, uh, if, mm-hmm. if they do material. And of course, it's two episodes you've seen, right? It's the Smugglers and the right. Water Menace. 
Yeah, so we can actually be, like we can maybe retroactively go back and like you know quickly. Don't have to be a long episode. But we can you know, drop in and uh, talk about uh, differences and uh, similarities. That could be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, back to the matter at hand here. Uh, I don't know. Well, it's not clear to me if the mockery Amy with uh, the goopy body of uh, <laughs> Madoc. And the mockery is it? Is it? like playing dead is it just sleeping because it's not moving like jamie throws a rock at it and it still doesn't move it makes its move at the end of this episode uh the cliffhanger but did you read this is it just like or is it trying I to thought like, it had something, pretend like i thought it had dead? something to do with the gas i thought it had something to do with the gas like it was it was resting until it got more gas mm. got it uh which the gas body doctor and Polly are analyzing it. Not getting very far, but they are, they are working on it, trying to figure out what it's all about. Uh, ben, in kind of a... <laughs> it could be silly, but again, I think they play it straight and it works because uh, Ben, is, he's fighting, he's finding it harder and harder. It's mental. Specifically, Someone mentioned another worker says the word friends. And then goes like friends. Like and I, have, I don't know if I have that right, but um I believe that that's the trigger yeah. that kind of causes him to fight his conditioning a little further. Like it's breaking down a little bit. Yeah. Uh and this is where I don't know if you wanna walk it through a little bit, but this is where the doctor learns something, or at least intuits something about uh, the gas, like maybe it's not meant to kill necessarily, right? Right. Well, I think for most of the characters, we're kind of this deadly gas. Okay, they're using it as a weapon, but then maybe the then doctor realizes maybe it's yeah, maybe it's like to keep something else alive. Like something else needs it to live. Maybe that's what it's more about. Which, of course, is the correct conclusion. Um, Sneaky old but. Uh, he kind of gambles that he's right and finds a way to turn off. Well, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, but he's trying to use this knowledge to try to help Jamie. And of course, um, suddenly Jamie's surrounded by the the gas and the mocker comes to life and starts to move towards it. And as he's trying to get away, he gets confronted by another mocker. And that's the thing of the episode. If it's not one thing, it's another, you know? <laughs> Four episode final. Mm-hmm. And say, and say that's very good. What do you call it? The Highland Fling. Well, why do you call it the Highland Fling? Because we finished the dance by flinging ourselves out the door. Oh, that's very good. Come on now. Rum, 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 So yeah, this is the doctor basically tricks Officia into like. Revealing which controls he needs because, like the the gas is being pumped down into like the mine shaft, which is why it's down where Jamie is. He needs to figure out how to like reverse the flow, and it basically like, tricks Alicia into uh, revealing which one is right, right? Because yeah, he basically if I don't if I don't have this right correctly, he kind of starts like fiddling with it and like touching random stuff, and Alicia kind of like corrects him, right? Pretty much. Um... Yeah. And you kind of get the sense of what's important when he does that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he starts pumping oxygen down into the, into the shaft a little bit, so. Um, 
that should hopefully <laughs> help Jamie if he can keep himself alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he locks Officia into the control room, I guess, because he has the keys. <laughs> Jamie, let's see. And kind of a, uh, again, another kind of extended action sequence. He kind of gets caught between some rocks. Uh, the Makra get him, like they grab him, but then like a, a, it causes like a landslide when they try to pull him out from the rocks. And the oxygen hits the Makra and they kind of lose their power. Jamie escapes. More or less. And, you know, it's not exciting to hear me describe it. It looked pretty good in the actual episode. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Should we see Jamie or? Sh- no. Yeah, we, yeah, we'll just say, yeah. We should say Jamie's next scene. The best one of the whole serial, in my opinion. <laughs> um, this is where yeah. Ola and the guards show up. And uh, let's see here. Hold and the Dr. Paul E escaped. Yeah. Um, right. That's it. Yeah. And then they lock. Yeah. yeah and they basically can't get to them. And then they kind of worked them, worked their way deeper down into the shaft. Mm-hmm. Um, Ola manages to get into the control room where uh, he's able to turn the gas back on. So Jamie opens up a grate, works his way back to the colony. And he finds himself where? <laughs> uh, he finds himself at cheerleading practice or band or like, you know, synchronized yeah. dance practice. Band yeah, it felt practice. like a rehearsal. Like yeah. Rehearsal, yeah. Like the, the people in charge of like keeping everyone happy and on schedule and making the songs and dance and stuff like that. And it's, <laughs> it's a great scene because you got this like leader and he's like Taipei Glee Club, right? He's like, come on, yeah. guys, it's counting on us. And they're all dancing, and they see Jamie. He's like, "What are you doing here? Are you the new dancer?" Um, <laughs> which, like, I love it. I don't think this has ever happened in real life once, but it's, it's great. <laughs> no. <laughs> like this. No, uh, um, it's one of those things too, where like his immediate response is, "No, I'm." Yeah, you are. <laughs> 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 which is also never happened, but I find very funny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they're like, okay, well, you got to show us your, your dance, and it's got to be good if you want to make the team. Um, so he does the Highland swing. Well, <laughs> it's so funny, too. They also, like, it's like, don't you need any music? And he's like, no, I have it all in my head. It's like, well, tell us what the song is, and we'll, we'll sing along. It's like, everything is just like this. <laughs> they're, they're like being nice, quote unquote, and everything's like, Jamie's just like, get me out. Yeah, he does the Highland fling, and he uses that as an opportunity to like fling himself out of the room. Right, it's called the Highland fling because you fling yourself out when you're done. Which I think the Highland fling might be an actual dance move. Uh, I've at least um, heard it before outside of the context of Doctor Who, which doesn't. Mean I don't know. Anything, I'm, but... I've never heard it. I mean, obviously there's Highland dances. I've never yeah, heard one specifically called think, the Highland fling. I but... think Jamie may have made up the part where you fling yourself out the door. I think that. I think that's him getting <laughs> stuff up. I do find it funny too. It's just this elaborate escape plan. He flings himself out the room, and he's like immediately arrested. He's old as yeah. <laughs> he flings himself into the guards. Yeah. Yeah. Com- <laughs> Uh, classic Doctor Who tradition of like an elaborate that doesn't work. <laughs> Let's see. So yeah, um, Jamie's under arrest again. Ben, arrest again, and Ben fingers him. Yeah, he says, "Yes, that's the man." Of course, 
Mm-hmm. You know, but you, you, you know, obviously Ben is still clearly conflicted about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doc, the controller, and they realize like it's the Makra. They're fully in charge here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is kind of put together like the last pieces of information we need here. Basically, the gas to survive. They are completely dependent on it, and they need the humans to like go dig it up. If this isn't an intentional oil metaphor, um, it retroactively became a very strong. Yeah, and I don't, I can't speak to whether or not that's that's intentional, but yes, I agree. It probably is an oil metaphor. I mean, you know, it's the seventies is going to. We're in '67, but I understand that '70s were kind of an interesting time for the UK economically. So, yeah. I'm sure it's on people's minds. Let's see. Something I like, I legitimately like this. I feel like a lot of sci-fi these days, fantasy, they they feel the need to explain too much. How did the mocker get here? How did they get in charge of this colony? Why did they land in a place that had air they couldn't breathe? None of that matters. All that matters is it's happened. I, yeah. It happened. The, whatever the circumstances happened that, that caused this, they're here. And this is the situation the doctors come into. Yeah, I do appreciate that. I think sometimes that's maybe a benefit of like this really rapid schedule. Like you don't have time to think about that kind of stuff. It just has to kind of make sense in the in the moment and has to have rules that like it follows but other than that i mean we question it with the underwater menace because like it didn't seem like it stayed consistent from scene to scene let alone episode to episode but here it all feels like of a piece like you you don't really need to know (laughs) it's just not that important right uh oh Bist, he's arguing with the pilot he can't believe the pit upper like allowed uh, these people to escape and put everyone in danger uh, and the doctor, doctor and Polly come in, and doctor tries to play peacekeeper here, right? He's like, he's trying to like, he's being casual here and trying to um, kind of explain what's going on here. Like they're trying to play mm-hmm. to the pilots better, better sensibilities, right? Like they're taking right. a risk. Mm-hmm. And it works. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Um. Cause the, yeah, the pilot. Yeah. Basically, what happens is that it's a simple act of the pilot like agreeing to go with the doctor and like let's hear him out, and this causes a the colonists are like afraid because like it's almost treasonous by the pilot, right? But to uh, um, the pilot's credit, he tells Ola to kind of like stuff it, and he goes off with the doctor <laughs> to like hear him out. Yeah, I think the pilot's a really interesting character, and it doesn't surprise me that he's probably like the most well-known guest actor of this whole series because it's a meat this whole serial i mean because it's a meaty part it is but ben draw all that uh has made himself scarce i don't know where he went so i believe this is where ola basically get like a Leaders like full leadership. The Makra slash the controller puts in charge. It's like a military like intervention at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. The pilot is uh, he's, he's fully on 
to see like the full mm-hmm. like truth of what's going on here. That was like I will kill the Makra. Mm-hmm. They have a powerful ally on their side. Yeah, here. pretty pretty well. So they think. Pretty pretty strong reaction too, which I think makes sense. I think it tracks. Uh-huh. Um, but of course, Ola is already kind of a step ahead of them, or maybe the Makra via Ola. I mean, yeah, I I think that's a good way of putting it. It's the it's the Makra via Ola or Ola via the looking at it. Mm-hmm. Doctor and the pilot are arrested. Back to the yeah, they're not back to like basically. And who is given? Oh, under or they're gonna they're gonna clear out the building for a few minutes. Uh, and in kind of like a grim kind of situ, kind of a grim scenario, uh, minutes is, I think, the time allotted to basically pump the gas into the pipe room and kill everyone, right? Yep, pretty much. Yeah, so that's the plan. Kill Ben, uh, not Ben. Kill Doctor Jamie Polly and the pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fortunately, um, they didn't put Ben in there, thinking he was still hypnotized or under mind control when mm-hmm. he was breaking. And then seeing his friends be gassed to death uh, causes him to be able to break out of the, his his mind control, and he gets to save the day here for everyone. Yeah, again, just a nice kind of uh, journey for Ben here. Uh, he can he basically like I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna fudge it and it probably doesn't make any sense anyway. But he mixes the input and the output of the gas and. Pulls a lever, but not before the controller goes. Like he'll kill us all. But um, he pulls it anyway. But he does it. He pulls it anyway, uh, and he he killed little Makra. <laughs> yeah, you go, man. You know what? Good for yeah. you, man. And he did what the doctor told him to do, but still. Um, yeah, he didn't figure it out by he, himself. The doctor kind of right, walked but, him through it. But but the key is he chose to trust the doctor over the controller. You know, kind of signifying that his brainwash. You know, he's done being brainwashed. Yeah, his brain has been unwashed. He, he has a, Does that mean a dirty mind is good? If, if your brain gets washed, that's bad? I don't know. Oh. Uh. <laughs> oh, I'll work that out. Um, for, like, uh, Denim from here. Um, everyone's super thrilled. Um, to, our, our companions and the doctor are being celebrated. Uh, the pilot uh, put, throw, like, dance festival every uh the the doctor's jamming on his penny whistle uh <laughs> yeah, he's loving it mm-hmm. uh, but, and they're like well maybe maybe it's time to go doctor uh and he's like no we can stay a little bit longer <laughs> and they're and like what yeah. what is the news yeah yeah because it's like well i think the plan is they're going to turn you into the next pilot <laughs> the doctor goes let's go <laughs> <laughs> And... Just... Yeah, go ahead. And, well, and that's kind of it. They just kind of go, there's no teaser for the next episode, which I like. Yeah, I think it, sometimes it's fun, but I think sometimes I think to kind of like read the room a little bit and go, I think it's better to just kind of have them like kind of dance. They sort of dance leave, right? Like they participate mm-hmm. in like the dancing going on, but they got the back room and then they take off. So, yeah, do, I agree. They do the I... Highland fling, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> they um... Highland fling themselves into the next aerial. <laughs> Uh, but Agreed. I also like it, and obviously this wasn't the intention at the time, but this is, like I said, this is where the extended universe lives, right? Like, 
it's been a while since I've seen our next serial, the faceless one. So, but I don't think there's a, like um anything where they're like, wow, we just left the mocker. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> they, they don't talk about how long it's been. And, and I think the idea was this was, you know, the next serial, the next adventure, but like, you know, there's a lot of stories you can put into that gap. You know, this is where the extended universe lives between these two stories um, where you can, you know, you have a lot of room to play with. And I think, I think that's something that's fun about the Doctor Who universe is uh, the extended universe is that it fills in the crack. And, you know, if you're really enjoying the Stardust team or even previous ones, right? If you really liked Vicky and Steven, you know, they found ways to give them stories, uh, you know, in between the Time Meddler and Galaxy 4. And so if you really were interested in that team of Vicky, Steven, the first Doctor, there's tons of like stories and audio dramas that you can go to. And yeah, I think that's it's, really really cool. it's really exciting. Um, it's it it almost works out too well, and like I, obviously it's not intentional. This so far every era has kind of had like these gaps mm-hmm. uh, between you know the current serial and the next. And speaking of the next serial, you sort of mentioned the title of it already, I believe. But uh, yeah, the this, faceless one. Yes, but maybe you want to. <laughs> So the faceless right. one. So the faceless one. All right. So it's six episodes. So so a little bit of a longer one. Uh, four are missing. So the first episode and the third episode of serial still exist. Okay. Yeah. And um, well, what do you think when you hear the term faceless one, like the title faceless one? What does that make you think, Ryan? Well, it makes me think of like this is going to sound stupid, but I, I literally think uh, may, might we have a group of villains that have literally no face, like just like blank flesh in front. Mm. Or is it metaphorical? Is it like people who work in the shadows, they have no face. I'm thinking more literal though. Well, and it can be both, right? The mocker was both. This is true. But sometimes they give you underwater menace was a, was a guy, not like a creature. So true. But so far, but this that, one that's doesn't like. Okay, okay. Well, you will have to tune in to see if Ryan's right about the faceless <laughs> one. You already know, and I haven't read on this one yet, so I, I truly don't have an idea. So, uh, if you're planning on uh, tuning in to see if I'm right about whether the faceless ones are truly faceless or not, uh, uh, please do and give us a uh, give us a rating on your uh, podcatcher of choice. Uh, Five stars are great. Fours are fine too, but we prefer five um, if that's what you want to do. Uh, if you like what you heard uh, this evening, we have a full archive of our past Classic Doctor Who coverage, including the first three seasons and the rest of season four up to this point. And if Doctor Who isn't your bag, if you listen to this and you're like, you know what? I- Hopefully like superhero movies, because that's the other strand of our uh, of our covering uh, the genre of superhero movies chronologically we've started all the way in the 30s 40s and 50s with superhero serials and since then we've worked our way to the 70s the superman series uh we've gone through like the first couple back along the way swamp thing condor man blank man man. all kinds of men (laughs) that you never heard meteor man and uh, we're picking up that <laughs> thread again pretty soon here. Uh, we're picking back up in 1996 with a uh, movie yet to be determined. 
you can catch us on social media. We are on Twitter at PC Historians. We're on Instagram. We're fairly active on Instagram, more so than Twitter. Pop Culture Historians Podcast is our Instagram handle. You also go to our website, popculturehistoriansepodcast.wordpress.com. Life lesson. I'm, well, I've been looking forward to this old, old podcast, right? Well, I think I, 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 I see a lot of life lesson opportunities with the character of Ben this week. I think, I think the life lesson there is if your friends are all very concerned that you've been brainwashed from outside forces, take a moment to really reflect and uh, realize that there's always some light at the end of the tunnel. Look what Ben went through. He almost, he, he saved the day and he was, he seemed pretty far gone in episode two. In episode four, he was the hero. Never give up on yourself. I've landed on that. That's it. That's the life lesson. That's never never That's give up on your life. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's this kind of content you can expect to hear every week. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Faceless ones next week. This week was the Mocker Terror. My name is Ryan Ritter. That's Jimmy McShane. We are the Pop Culture Historians. Signing off. <laughs>